How many of you know people can read what they want in this book? Hey, let me just stand in front of you and, and throw this out there just so that you'll understand where I'm coming from. If they're going to cancel Dr. Seuss, how long will it be before they cancel or try to cancel this? I'm just telling you, listen, and this isn't coming from some crazy uh, leftist liberal. This, this came out of the very most important house in the land, the White House, where they took away and are okay with taking away Dr. Seuss. And I've read Dr. Seuss. I grew up reading Dr. Seuss. Just so you know, I, I, don't, I never read into any of those stories, what they say is in there. But if they can, and here's where you need to think. Listen, that is up to them. They can cancel whatever they want. I think that it's wrong, and I think that we're, it, it, should, it should scare you when we begin to censor various books, because how long will it be? How long will it be? I'm just, I'm just asking you to think for yourself and stop letting other people do the thinking for you. Amen? Think for yourself. I, listen, they're going to do what they're going to do. But we've got to do what we have to do. And let me just tell you this. That's a children's book. They take this away, and who's going to teach this to your children? You better, you better buy a copy and stash it under the mattress just in case. Because that's where we're headed. Oh, Pastor Brian, you're just trying to scare us. I don't want to bring fear. I just want you to understand that we're not headed in the right direction, folks. And we need to pray. You can come and join us tonight at 7 o'clock as we pray for our nation. That people would wake up and say, what time? What time did I say? Well, you'll be two hours late if you come at 7 o'clock. We pray from 5 to 6. And we end at 6 because that's when I eat. And so I want to encourage you to come out. Thank you. Hey, do you believe Do you believe your pastor has a good heart? Do you believe your pastor is concerned for you and very much concerned for our nation? I'm not here to beat up a political party one way or the other. I'm just telling you that you should see that and be very concerned. That they're going to pull that out because it's just it's concerning to me. Think about it. And think about how they could misread this. Rant over. I'm going to always throw that out there to you. I want you to think for yourself. I want you to have the ability to know what is right and what is wrong for yourself, for your family. Dads, you better know what's right for your family because this, this education system is not educating your kids. They are doing all that they can to indoctrinate your children. And you better be the one indoctrinating your children. That is your job, moms. That is your job, dads. And so you need to be in the Word like you've never been in the Word before. You can't just tell your kids things because that's what Pastor Brian said or because that's what we believe as Christians. Well, you need to be able to show them why we believe what we believe. And it needs to roll off of your tongue, and you need to smile. And that is part of where I'm going with today. Now, this is not political at all. The rest of this, everybody take a deep breath. But in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, you'll notice that today's message title is No idle words. Matthew 12, 36, it says this. This is something that we don't like to think about, but I need you to hear this from me. But I say to you, what color are these words in in your Bible? That means the author or the speaker of this is Jesus spoke these words. But I say to you, 
that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Listen to me. It is by our words that we receive the Lord Jesus as our Savior. It is with the confession of our mouth, it is with our words that we seal the deal with Jesus Christ. For if you confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you shall be saved, Paul says. There is power in confession. At what point are you actually married to your spouse? Well, you know, there's a lot of different versions of when they believe that actually happens. But you know what? When we share our vows, it is a declaration of our unending eternal love for our spouse. And I believe it is at that moment that we are tied together and become one flesh because there is something powerful about the words that we use. And here's what the word of God says. For by your words you will be justified or by your words you will be condemned. Because you see, here's the thing. Listen to me. It's appointed once for every man to die and after that the judgment. That's the word of God. And you will be judged, not just according to your actions, to your good deeds, but you will be judged according to whether or not you spoke with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord. Jesus himself said that if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my heavenly Father. But if you deny me before men, I will also deny you before my heavenly Father. It's, it's all about your words. Seeing this, your pastor, and some of you may not have been here last week, and I know some of you are saying, Pastor Brian, it's just getting a little crazy. You're giving these little blurps at the beginning. Can we just leave that? No, we can't because at some point, this may be the only place that you'll get any kind of conservative speech, right? And I believe that we need to speak the truth and we need to do it in love. And I can tell you this, listen, last week was difficult when I talked about putting to death certain members like fornication and I explained it. But here's the thing, at some point you and I, we hunger for the truth. We want to be told the truth. I don't want to be a told. I don't want to sit down with my doctor when he finds a massive lump and, and tries to make me feel better about things. He doesn't tell me about the lump that needs to be taken care of. He tells me everything's good. Well, my blood pressure's okay. Your cholesterol is great. You seem like you're doing well with your weight. In the back of his mind, though, he's thinking, you got, you got cancer. But he doesn't tell me anything. How many of you know that, that when I find out that I've got it, I'm going to be upset with the doctor? Because I could have dealt with it then. How many of you know that at times, as your pastor, I have to speak the truth and I have to do it in love? Because if I don't do it, who is in your life? It's, it's not up to Fox News, Newsmax, or One America News Network to tell you the truth. And they're not going to spiritually because they're only focused on political garbage. And so sometimes I have to say hard things. And I wonder, men, are people going to come back? I know that Jesus spoke hard things and an entire crowd walked away and then he looked at his disciples and he said, well, what are you going to do? His disciples like, well, we don't have anywhere else to go. You're raising the dead and healing blind eyes, turning water into wine. I don't get why you're asking me to eat of your flesh and drink of your blood, but whatever. 
because he spoke the truth. And I, I can tell you this, I will be judged one day for my words, and I am therefore going to let you know that from your pastor you will not get idle words. Other translations call it empty words. Other translations call them careless words. I will speak the truth in love, and today you need to hear this truth, and I'm going to be quick. You see, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, Peter said, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. But you do so in meekness and fear. You see, there's a lot of people who defend the hope and they do so with nastiness and judgmental and judge, judgmentalism. I will always do it in meekness and in fear because I will speak the truth and that truth will make some people angry. Some people may think that I'm a little bit cuckoo. They might think that I'm a little nutsoid, but here's the thing. I'm okay with that because as long as I stick with the word of God, then I know that I will never go wrong and I will never lead you astray. So Pastor Brian, what non-idle word are you looking to share with us today? This will be good. It's a word that I found as I was, I was preparing for John Wickard's funeral. For those of you that don't know, Brother John Wickard passed away last weekend. We had his funeral on Friday. For those of you that don't remember Brother John Wickard, he was the gentleman that always sat up here by Brother Alan Pierce, and this is what he did every time I was preaching good. And I knew that if Brother John gave me that, I was, I was hitting on the right notes right there, boy. And as I was ministering, I, I came across the scripture, and you need to hear it today. It deals with life, and it deals with death. It says now this, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 50, we're going to read through these. i got to be quick. It says this, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. In other words, in other words, this, right? For me to be absent from the body means that I'm with Christ. But as long as I'm in this body, I'm here on earth, and I, I cannot inherit the incorruptible spirit that God said that I can have. So listen to what he says. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. And everybody, some of y'all, are some of you insomniacs are like, amen to that. This isn't about sleep, the sleep that you're thinking of. These are those who have passed away that know Jesus Christ. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on the incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Amen? Hey, we talked about things that we find in the stirred waters. That the, the, the water stirring and that water is healing, joy, peace, all the things that we can have that God has for us, there's victory in that stirred water. But you've got to get in. And here's what he goes on to say, O oh, death. Where is your sting? Oh, Hades, 
Where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin in the law. But listen to this. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the world can't give us that victory and the world can't take that victory away. You see, Brother John is victorious. He beat us. When Jesus does come back, if he comes back in the next few days, and some of you are wondering what I'm talking about, I'm about to show you, he goes first. And if he were standing here, he would look and he would probably do this. Right? This is the man that used to look at me with a smile on his face. Anytime I would preach like this and he would say, you know what I always say, I've read the the last book of the Bible, Pastor Brian. And here's, here's what I want you to know. Cheer up. It's going to get worse. And I'm like, well, I don't get what you're trying to say there. Cheer up. Why? Because even if it gets worse, we still have the victory. The victory is ours. No matter how bad it gets, no matter how bad it looks, the victory is ours. Man, that was the easiest funeral that I've ever officiated. I love Brother John, we all do, and our hearts were heavy, but we know that it's not goodbye, it's I'll see you later. And if we could pray him back today, he would punch somebody in the throat for getting prayed back. What are you thinking praying me back? You don't know how good it is up there. Man, I'll tell you, that's the way that we all need to think. We all need to be sure of that victory. In verse 58, he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 also speaks of this soon coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what it says in verse four, in chapter 4, verses 13 through 18 of 1 Thessalonians. He says, but I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren. That's like, that's like Brian Belak saying, I don't want to give you idle words, empty words, careless words. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant. Listen to this. Brethren, concerning those who fall asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Yes, we sorrow. Yes, we grieve. But we have hope. And at some point, our hope has got to be in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that hope has to be greater than your grief. If not, then grief, grief is going to keep you depressed. Grief is going to keep you to the place where you can't see the good of anything. At some point, the hope in Christ has got to be stronger than the grief that you feel. And he says this, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord. In other words, the Lord is coming. And some of us will be alive and we will remain when he comes. Well, what happens then? What are you saying that at some point he's going to come? All of the Old Testament says that man sinned and needs salvation and we need a Messiah. The Gospels say the Messiah is here and believe it or not, the rest of the Bible pretty much says that the Messiah is coming back. That's crazy talk, Pastor Brian. Hey, listen, don't tell me it's crazy talk. If you're a Christian, then you believe that this man, Jesus, died on a cross, they 
they jammed him in a tomb, and three days later, he rose again completely alive in a glorified body. If I can believe that, why can't I believe that he's coming back again? If I can believe that that man before he died was dead and buried and rose again, I believe that that man was born of a virgin. Why can I believe these things and then not believe that Jesus is going to come back? I'm telling you, Jesus is coming back. And some of us will be alive when he comes. Paul just said it. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven in verse In verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we will always be with the Lord. From that point on, eternity begins for those who never, there will be some people who never get to breathe their last breath. Their heart never gets to beat the last beat because Jesus is coming back. And I'm telling you, when you look at the end times and how Jesus said, this is what that day is going to look like, it looks a lot like today. I mean, everything has been done. It was prophesied that the nation of Israel would become a nation again. I'm not sure if you know this, but Israel is a nation, and it happened in the 60s. Man, that was a long time ago. For some of us, we're like, I wasn't even born yet. I believe that he's soon to come, and I believe everything that needs to be done has been done. And there, when he comes back, we're going to meet him in the clouds. You know what? And, and sometimes I think that Pastor Vic, he doesn't like to, he likes to preach about it, likes to talk about it, but doesn't like to think about it because he can't even change a light bulb, much, much less meet Jesus in the clouds. He's got to get up high, and he has to look down. I'm like, Pastor Vic, at that point, you won't have to worry about it because all fear will be removed from your life. Until then, pray for for Pastor Vic to be freed from the spirit of fear. How many of you miss Pastor Vic? Uh, he'll He'll be installed the next week officially as the pastor of Living Word. Now, here's what's interesting. In verse 18, he says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. I've got to move quickly. Jesus himself spoke of this same happening, this same abduction of Christians, both dead and alive, both asleep and alive. We believe it's called the blessed hope, the rapture of the church. You won't find the word rapture anywhere in the Bible, but you see it in these, in these times when he says, I will come back for you. And so we need to be ready. We need to be prepared. Now, when Jesus says this, I want you to see something very specific because you need to ask yourself, if Jesus were to come back today, the question is, have I done what I need to do to meet him in the air? If I were to die today, have I done what I need to do to be assured that when he comes back, I'll be one of those that are asleep that go to meet him in the air? You see, Jesus said this in in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, starting in verse 36. But on that day, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. 
For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, some like to say in the days of Noah, it was sinful, it was deplorable, and that's where we are today. Listen, I think Jesus was just trying to say something simple. They, they, they watched Noah build an ark. Every day under the shadow of that ark, people were marrying, people were walking, people were thinking, crazy old Noah, what is he doing? Crazy old Noah's a nut job building an ark. We haven't even seen rain. Hasn't rained in years and years, and this fool is building a boat. Whatever, and they didn't realize it until the flood came and it was too late. And so you know what? Some of us have heard Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back. You hear preachers that are building an ark, and here we are, crazy Brian Belak, talking about Jesus Christ coming back again. And just like in the days of Noah, we're getting married, having kids, going about our business, forgetting about what's about to happen, and then before you know it, Jesus Christ could come back and catch you off guard. And I'm here today to tell you, you. Don't let it happen to you. Don't let it happen to your children. Don't let it happen to your children's children or your co-worker or, or, your, or your, your fellow student in your school. Make sure that you tell people that Jesus is coming back, but they'll think that I'm nuts. They already think you're nuts. Verse 40, two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding in the mill. One will be taken and the other left. One's taken, one is left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. In other words, you don't want to risk being one that's left. Because what we believe is we believe that after Jesus Christ comes that there's going to be seven years of tribulation like this world has never seen. Three and a half years of peace, but even during that three and a half years, up to one-third of the population of the world will lose their life. And they will still deny that God exists and that God is the cause of this. But I'll tell you, after that three and a half years of peace, you will have an experience three and a half years of torture like you have never experienced. In that time, there will be the institution of the, 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 uh, the mark of the beast. The Antichrist will come in. The, the temple will be built. He will sit in the temple and ask everyone in the world to worship him and receive a mark to worship him. And if you don't, then you won't be able to buy groceries for your family. You won't be able to sell goods. And you're just going to be hoping that you're going to be in that next wave of people that are taken out. Because I'll tell you, it's going to get ugly. According to, the, according to what Brother John says, John Wicker, not Brother John the Apostle, the one who wrote Revelations. Both of them say it's going to get ugly. I don't want to be around for it. I want to be taken out of here. Why don't pastors talk about this? I've never really heard about this, Pastor Brian. I've heard of it, but is it really going to happen? The reason that you haven't heard about it is because pastors are afraid to preach it because they're afraid that you are going to come and hear it and think, this guy is an absolute nut job. This guy's a little crazy. He's a little off his rocker. Why can't I just come to church, pay my tithes, praise God, and feel good, and I'll see you next week? Because the Bible says that that is not the type of Christianity that is not what Jesus Christ died for. 
Jesus Christ died that we would be transformed inside and out, that we would fall in love with him, that we would begin to live for him, and that we would anxiously await his return. 2,000 years ago, Paul told them, comfort one another with these words. I mean, that was 2,000 years ago. How many of you know, if he told them 2,000 years ago to comfort each other with those words, how much more should we be comforting each other with, with those words now? Two, are gonna, two will be in the field, one's taken, one's left. Two will be grinding in the mill, one will be taken, one will be left. Watch therefore in verse 42, for you don't know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched not allowed this house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. So what do we do? How do we watch? How are we watchful? We are careful. Listen, that doesn't mean that we're perfectly sinless. That doesn't mean that, man, I'll tell you, we used to believe that you got to get right or get left. If Jesus comes back, and you were driving 65 and a 55, he's leaving you because you're broke, you broke the law. Two will be in that car, and you're going to still be sitting there. And so we use that to get everybody afraid and get on down here to the altar because you're not perfect. Listen, you need to get to the altar just because you're not perfect in general. None of us are. But the fact of the matter is our God is a gracious God, and he knows our heart. But we have to be Sober, we've got to watch. You can't watch if you're not sober. You can't watch if you are drunken in sin and disregarding the word of God and living according to the ways that he desires for you to live. If you are drunk with immediate gratitude and wanting to have your own needs met and fulfilled, if you are not sober with that, you very well could miss the return of Jesus Christ. So what are we supposed to do? And I'll end on this and pray. I want you to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. And here's what he said after saying all of these things. He's coming back. Be watchful. Our heavenly father is going to send his son. Jesus is going to come back the same way that he left. He will meet us in the clouds. Here's what he says. Therefore, everybody say therefore. Basically, he's saying all of this is true, so he's just saying it in a different way. Therefore, my beloved brethren, brothers, be steadfast. Moms and dads, your kids have never needed you to be more steadfast than they do right now. In, the, in, a, in a day and age where everything is changing and what used to be cute is now considered racist and bigoted, well, we don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. I don't know what to read, what not to read. Lord, help me out here. There are people that are literally going and pulling those books off of their children's shelves to throw them in the garbage. Come on, think for yourself for a minute. You need to be steadfast. You need to know what you believe, and you need to know why you believe it. And it needs not to be because Brian Belak says to believe this. It's because you have discovered it in the word of God. You know the truth and the truth has set you free. And you can speak the truth for your family. 
the truth that there is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved other than Jesus Christ. The truth that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that no man comes to the Father except through him. That's the word of God. But your kids are going to be told that we're all trying to get to the same God. We just try to get there in different ways. Nope, that's not the case. Jesus Christ is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. You better know that, and you better, yeah, you better be able to teach that to your kids because if you don't, they will be indoctrinated to believe something else because it's more inclusive, and it's just nicer. And I'll tell you, there's nothing nice about what Jesus did on the cross for me. There's nothing nice about what we did to Jesus Christ so that he could die for me. We, we put him to death. And so, yeah, I, I get it. But you got to know the truth. When it comes to the definition of marriage, you better know what the Bible says. And where to be able to find it in the Bible that, that, that when someone asked about Jesus about marriage, the first thing that he established was, well, you know what it was said from the beginning. In the beginning, God created male. Everybody say it with me. God created male, and he created And the man shall leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. People say that you don't find that in the Bible. I find it in the Bible when someone asked Jesus about divorce, why did he talk and start that conversation without God created men? To answer the questions that we all have right now. Let's go back to the beginning when I said no empty or idle words. Be steadfast. I'm steadfast in love with my wife. We can turn this around and say, you better be steadfast, men, in loving your wife as Christ loved the church, giving his life for her. But we like to say that, don't we? So let's say the next one. Wives, you better be steadfast in submitting to your husband as unto the Lord. Pastor Brian, I would rather you preach about all the other things that we're facing there's a lot of other things going on in the world. You don't have to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't say, thank God it doesn't say submit to your pastor, right? How about dads? Don't, fathers, don't provoke your children's to, children to wrath. Be steadfast. What else does it say? Oh, man, this is so good. Immovable. Immovable. I think that's one of the things that God has placed in my heart to be for my family more than anything. Consistent, immovable. I know where I'm going. I know the direction that I'm going. I know what God expects of you. And I will lovingly wait for you to catch up. But listen, just so you know, I cannot be, I cannot be moved. I don't care who says it. I don't care if it came from the White House or if it came from the Vatican. I know what the word of God says. I'm interested in that and that alone. What does the Bible say? And that is what will keep me. And that is the only truth that I find. And therefore, I shall not be moved. You may move me into a jail cell, but I shall not be moved. You may kill me for my faith. That's okay. I shall not be moved. And there may be somebody watching right now online that says, check. We'll get this guy in jail as soon as we can. So be it. This church will grow like never before, and I believe that the more the church is persecuted, the more the church grows. It's just part of it. Steadfast, 
immovable, and lastly, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Matthew 15, Jesus says it this way. Matthew, oh man, did I put that? I may have put that in the wrong scripture. I'm just going to quote it. Yeah, wrong scripture. And you'll be able to quote it. You are the light of the world. And a light isn't put under a basket. It's not put under a bushel. We put it up on the top of a hill. And this is why we let our light so shine before men. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Not that they may say your, see your stands. Not that they may see your beliefs. Not that they may see how good you are. That they may see your good works and glorify your, your Father which is in heaven. Your good works. Stand fast. Be steadfast immovable, and let your works be seen by men that they might glorify your Father in heaven. And man, I'm telling you, today, if the, if the trumpet were to sound, my question to you is, if you were with somebody in the field, would you be taken or would you be left? If you were grinding in the mill, would you be taken or would you be left? You know, there's a lot of people that love the Left Behind movie. Pastor Brian, can you put together a movie for people who are left behind? No, no, I would rather you just get yourself together so I don't have to put a video together for you to tell you what's coming. Hey, listen, here's your video. I'm going to give it to you right now. Pucker up, bend over, and kiss it goodbye because that's what's going to happen over the course of seven years. It's going to be absolutely miserable. And if you thought it was hard to live for the Lord now, it's going to be that much harder to live for the Lord after all the other Christians are taken out of this place and you can't buy or sell food unless you have a mark. And the moment that you receive that mark is basically a seal that says, done. I deny that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I accept this mark. I accept this, this gentleman that seems to be the Savior of the world. He's my Savior, not Jesus. And it says this, the moment that you receive that mark, you are immediately guaranteed hellfire and punishment in hell. You think it's hard now? Wait until after he comes. So listen, I don't want to waste time doing a video. Just get right with Jesus now because we don't know. Pastor Brian, what if he doesn't come for another 20 years? What if the end isn't going to happen for another 30 years? All I know is we're not guaranteed the next breath tomorrow. We're closer than we've ever been. You and I are closer to that end game than we've ever been. Are you ready to go if he comes back, if you die, will you be considered asleep in Jesus or will you just be considered asleep? And when he comes back for those, for his bride without spot or wrinkle, will you be taken into that number or are you risking it? I'm just going to wait a little bit longer. I still got a few wild oats to sow. Man, be careful because we are not guaranteed tomorrow. Stand to your feet with me, Steve, or if you could come up. So, Pastor Brian, why this? Because you know what Paul said to comfort one another with these words. Well, those aren't really comforting. Well, they should be if you know Jesus Christ and if you've fallen in love with him. It was a gentleman that talked about leadership. 
Someone asked him, he was a very successful man, and he asked him this, what is, how do you choose people to come and work with you? He said, well, if I have two individuals, I look at their morning routine, and whichever one has a better morning routine, I hire that one. Because you see, I, I can teach a man sales, and I can teach him how to, to win, but the thing is, I can't teach him how to be successful. I don't have time to teach him how to be successful in life. Oh, Pastor Brian, that's, that just doesn't sound right, because I mean, some of us get up at 8.30. And some of you are like, 8.30, that is early. Listen, there's certain things that I can teach you, but there's certain things that I don't have time to teach. I'll help you read your Bible. I'll help you win in, in, in not giving in to temptation. I'll help you to be a better husband. I'll help you to, to be a better wife. But at some point, you've got to buck up and become a successful Christian on your own. And you have got to at some point be willing to confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior not caring about what anyone else is going to say. Not your not your uncle so-and-so who is an atheist or the person that you work with who just would think that you're crazy. I don't really care. At some point, you are going to need to confess the name of Jesus Christ and confess that he is your Lord. Because if you confess Jesus before men, he will confess you before his heavenly Father. But if you deny him, he will deny you. And it's time for you and I to stop playing games with our spiritual life and begin to confess him for who he is, knowing that the moment that we do, that's what assures us of salvation and assures us that when he does come back and he has that heavenly abduction, which sounds very weird, Will our clothes be left when he takes us? I don't know. If we're driving our car, will the car crash? More than likely. If my pilot is a Christian and he's taken, how will that plan lane? You better hope that your co-pilot didn't know Jesus. Right? I, I want you to fall in love with Jesus Christ not out of fear, but because of the victory that he gives us. Are you ready to experience the victory? Maybe today will be your first time. Today, I want you to experience the victory of salvation in Jesus Christ. Some of you guys, though, some of you have given your life to Jesus Christ. And, and you know what? You've kind of forgotten that he's coming back. It's time for you to get reconnected. It's time for you to make a recommitment. It's time for you to realize as you look at things with all the craziness going on, the ark is being built and that door is about to be closed. Are you ready? Should he come back tomorrow or even the next day? So, Father, I'm coming and I'm praying right now, Lord God, for those who may not know you, who need to know you, who need to confess you as their Lord and Savior. Because, Lord God, they become a Christian as short of their salvation, not because they sign some dusty role at a church or they go through a particular class or, or, Lord God, they have to go through some long extended class, Lord God, where they learn on the ropes. Lord, your word tells us that at the moment that we confess you as our Lord and Savior, at the moment that we believe in our hearts that you were raised from the dead, 
we shall be saved. And so today I'm going to help those that are in here to either confess for the first time or to confess again that you are the Lord of their life. And today, Lord, may people reconnect with you and may people connect with you for the first time ever and experience, Lord God, the forgiveness that you offer us, the cleansing of our souls, and Lord God, a new life because behold, you make all things new. I want everybody in this place to pray this prayer with me to get ready for what's coming in the near future. I want you to say this with me. I want you to say, Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today and confess that you are my Lord. You are my Savior. I confess that I love you, Jesus. I believe in my heart that you're alive and that you hear these words. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Help me to fall in love with you all over again. Lord, I give you glory. I give you the honor. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand. Now, Pastor Brian, today, here's the thing. I want to know that I can pray for someone. You prayed that prayer today, and you want to confess Jesus Christ before men, and you want to say, count me in, Pastor Brian. I have joined, I have joined that craziness with you. And I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior today. I want to know, can you lift your hand and tell me? First time, first time that you've ever done it. This is your day. Don't let this time, Pastor. Don't let anybody keep your hand out. Anybody in this place, anybody, because this is your moment. We want to rejoice with you. So listen, every one of you in here then are Christians. You've given your heart to the Lord. Quit listening for the trumpet or looking for the sounds and start listening for the trumpet because the signs are everywhere. Our Lord is coming back and He's coming back soon. You need to be ready. Stay frosty, steadfast. That's right. Say steadfast, immovable. Continue to do the good works that God has for you. Amen. Who's that in the back? Is that you, Miss Katie? Miss Katie Ryan is in the back. Katie is Ryan. Mc uh, Katie Ryan. Ryan's like, hey, bro, you married us. Katie McCray is in the back. The wife of our uh, our, our ministerial our, our administrative associate. She's holding a mug. If you're brand new to Lakeshore Church or you haven't had a mug yet, we've got mugs to give you. Um, so I want to encourage you. Go pick up your mug on your way out. If you're a guest, just hand that information into Katie and we'll get that just to give us a record of your visit. The rest of you, listen to me. I love you, and I am so glad that you're part of this church, and I am so proud to be called your pastor. Great men of God, great women of God in this church, and I'm appreciative of all of you. Amen. God bless. Go and enjoy the rest of this beautiful day, and let's keep our ears peeled for the trumpet of the Lord.